As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. My name is Ben Bolin. I do write some videos, and occasionally to make ends meet, I've been collating paper. Collating paper? Yes. Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, you uh, have any openings for this afternoon, maybe? Uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, are you trying to get hired? Well, or? Let me tell you, I have a pile. No, not not for me. Oh, this okay. Is, this is to hire you. Oh, Because I've got on my desk notes from every podcast we've ever done from the very beginning. Oh, that is true. You, uh, you've seen this, right? Yeah, we should take a picture of that oh, and put it up there. It, it's a disgrace, really. I, mean, I, I don't know. It's it's pretty organized. The, no, no. The problem is they're not in order. I, I oh, cut the stack in half, set uh-huh. it down, and then it kind of fanned itself out. Yeah. And now it, it sounds easy, uh-huh. but I've also been going through there to uh, to just kind of pick up on some things that we've looked at in the past and, you know, remember some things that we've talked about, yeah. uh, you know, writing the blog and that type of stuff. And uh, it's way out of order. Oh, oh man. See, when I, when I saw, and it was a big move, when I saw the move from one high stack to two and then three, uh, yeah. shorter stacks, I thought you were just putting your organizational prowess to no, the test. No, no, no. Now it's all, now it's all like just spread out across the whole desk. It's a mess. It's a wreck. It really well, is. Well, let me see if I can pencil you in for after this podcast. <laughs> Very good. We'll do some collation. <laughs> I could definitely use it. I collation, use it. rather. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But before we do that. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, races, man. Been a yeah. while since we had a good race. Yeah, podcast. exactly. People love the race podcast, don't they? Now we've got a uh, a little different twist on this today. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is crazy. It's not even motorized. It's not even motorized. Yeah, that's weird. I know, but uh, you're still talking some high speed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the world of competitive yacht racing, mm-hmm. and uh, that's it's a huge sport. Believe it or not, I mean, if you're not in that world, you may not know about this. If you are in that world, you know you're immersed in this and you know everything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I know very little about it um, on a, on a personal level. I'm not mm-hmm. a sailor. You, however, have some experience, I know, right? Well, being a Boy Scout, I did get my, my sailing merit badge in a little time, uh, a couple times, uh, through my younger days at camp. 
I, I also, you know, learned the basic things such as how to tie the right knots and, and how to go on a little sailboat without completely drowning. <laughs> Notice I didn't say falling off the boat that's just a, without drowning. That's essential, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but these, you know, I almost feel like I have no experience either, Scott, because the difference between the small boat that I was on most of the time mm-hmm. and the larger, the sailing yachts, the racing yachts we're yeah. talking about, yeah. uh, those differences are, uh, crucial. They're, they are crazy. I am not prepared. So it's definitely, so it's not similar. It wouldn't be like, uh, you could get in your little, uh, sunfish, which is sunfish, which mm-hmm. is like a, I don't know, six or eight foot sailboat, right. you know, yeah. that you see on a, on a little pond or lagoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't, you can't translate that into, you think, the uh, the bigger vessels, the 90-foot the yachts that cruise around the world? Well, I don't know if you're having fun with me, but this is a great <laughs> – No, I really want to yeah. know because I, I don't know much about sailing at all. I've, I've honestly looked into it. I, mm. I know enough about it that you know I can get by and you know talk with people about it and stuff. But mm. personal experience, I've never been on a big yacht. I've never been sailing. I've only been powerboating. Mm-hmm. Um, sailing has just been something I've never – Never taken the time to learn. I probably should. Oh, well, here we go. The the techniques used in sailing one of the sunfish and sailing a yacht in principle are the same because the yachts we're talking about are wind-powered. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there are some people out there who are saying yachts and they're thinking of those luxury yachts with uh, – what was that uh, – Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Oh, yeah, sure. Lifestyles uh, of the Rich and Famous. Robin Leach. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Uh, but these, that's not what we're talking about. Put, put Robin out of your mind. Uh, what we're talking about are yachts that are operated via wind power. And in the, in that sense, they're very similar to, uh, the sunfish that we're mentioning earlier because it means that you can get caught down in something like uh, sailors call it getting caught in irons, and that's when the wind is blowing against you, and there's not too much you can do. Um, and then also the methods of using the wind, to the tacking, the steering, um, the calculating, th- those are similar. All right. I'm only going to argue with one point here. You're What's the it? sailor. I'm not. I think there's a type of rig that can allow you to sail straight into the wind. I know it's difficult. But yes. I think there's a specific type of rig for that, and it's got a name, and I wish I could remember because it was in the, the research. It's not critical to what we're talking about today right. in racing, but um, I, I remember that there was a type of rig for that. But it, again, if you're in uh, – like we're, what we're talking about, the little sailfish – or sunfish rather, mm-hmm. um, the type of boats that you're talking about, I don't think that – yeah, I think you're in you're in trouble. You said it's called the irons? Uh, yeah, it's called being in irons. Oh, OK. And uh, you – there is a rig to – get past it but i do have to the only thing i can object to what you said is that i am not a sailor please everyone please stop writing the well, emails quit wearing the outfit around man it just look laundry day is a crazy day <laughs> you got the house. blue sport coat with the uh, the white shirt and the do you think this hat and is silly the hat is silly but uh, it works serious? works for hugh hefner uh, yeah that's what i was thinking yeah. you know <laughs> I, think um, I, I never see him on a boat though well that's that's part of the thing you know you gotta when you're at that level of fame you have to sort of comp compartmentalize mystique yeah it's yeah, mystique it's sort of like mystique, how steve yeah. martin is the world's fourth best banjo player yeah <laughs> you know you wouldn't know it to look at the world's fourth best banjo player, apparently right? so. yeah really okay right. no seriously i'm not blowing smoke okay cool but uh so <laughs> let's before we get into the races that we want to talk about um if it's cool i i've got some basics we can catch everybody up oh, on. great i need it okay basics so yacht weird word right uh it comes from the Old Dutch, where it was probably still pronounced yacht, but spelled with a J instead of a Y there. 
And uh, originally, it was just a very light, easily maneuverable vessel that the Navy, the Dutch Navy used. But then as uh, as more people noticed these vessels, uh, wealthy uh, members of Dutch society started making their own yachts so they, they could go out. And these were mainly merchants so that they'd go out and see their returning trade vessels. And then they just started saying, hey, let's – we don't have to wait for a ship to come back. Let's just go have some fun on the water, right, right on the water. And so then we see the first – one of the first divisions of yachts or yachts. Ah, see, now you make two of anything and people are going to compete. Yes, sir. That's what's going on, right? Well, it's what's going on now as as it goes forward. I think you know what I'm talking about. But in the initial division, it was just uh, yachts that were used for sport and leisure, and mm-hmm. then yachts that were used by the navy. But when they're just out having fun, they're uh, they're really they're they're a little competitive, aren't they? Yeah, that was yeah. what was going on. So it started way back when, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's evolved into something where now it's a I'm going to say it's a billion dollar sport. It has to be just I, the I mean, just the cost of materials it's, alone. It's crazy. I mean, when you look mm-hmm. at the the champions, the current world champions in some of these bigger yacht categories, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you by any chance seen this? I'm going to show you a photo, but I, I encourage listeners to look at, to look this up too. Um, the current holder of America's Cup right now is the uh, the BMW Oracle Racing. Um, I think it's a 90 foot. Trimaran, it this thing is enormous. I'm going to pass a photo over to you, and anybody else can take a look at this uh, as well. Yeah, it's a it's huge. a 90 foot trimaran. Now take a look at the people on that on that boat just to get an idea of. Oh the yeah, scale. there are people on there. Yeah, they look like just little specks they on look the tiny. On, yeah, yeah. This trimaran mm-hmm. is enormous. I don't know the the width of this thing, but it's 90 foot length. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at the size of the sail on that. You can't even see it in the top of the photo. Yeah, that mainsail is huge. It's got to be. I'm guessing 100 feet. Um, a mainsail, yeah. Just based on that photo, just looking just at it and scale uh, comparing wise. it to the size of the ship. Incredible ships, and they're made out of things like I mean, it's carbon fiber. It's mm. uh, it's extremely lightweight fiberglass and aluminum, and you know the the uh, exactly what you would expect out of a, a racing vehicle vessel of, of any type. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, you know they're they're tested in uh, in. Sort of like wind wind tunnel type environments, you know, where they they see how the water will react, um, or how it will react in the water. Um, they're definitely made for speed. Uh, there's oh, no yeah. there's no doubt about it. And uh, so th- that's where the the high speed aspect of this comes in. And I mentioned the the America's Cup right now. Yes, that is currently held. Um, and usually the yacht club is kind of the one that takes uh, a bit of credit because that's where it's kept. Mm-hmm. It's kept at the Yacht Club. And right now it's uh, at the Golden Gate Yacht Club. Um, so that's uh, one of only. And believe it or not. The America's Cup goes back uh, to 1851. Wow. 1851, that's right. And uh, so far, this is over the course of three centuries now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's it's covering three spent centuries. Um, only, only six yacht clubs in the history of this thing have ever held the America's Cup because these certain yacht clubs breed winners. Oh, I see. And uh, yeah. so you've got, you know, like the New York Yacht Club, the Royal Perth Yacht Club, San Diego, uh, the Royal New Zealand Yacht Club, um, uh, Society Nautique de Genevieve, which uh, I don't know if that was Oh, that's Prince. nice. Yeah. yeah, but uh, that and then the Golden Gate Yacht Club, and that's the six. And that's the only ones have held this thing since 1851. Man. Uh, so that's pretty incredible, I thought, that, you know, so few, so few, uh, well, it's, it's exclusive. Really. Yeah, and it's definitely it's there's a lot of skill involved. Uh, oh yeah, definitely a lot of skill. Yeah. And and this thing becomes 
something that uh, I think it's it's described, and I'm, I'm furiously going through my notes here, but uh, <laughs> it's described as something, and I'm, I'm going to quote here, an obsession for the famous, powerful, and exceedingly eccentric characters of the world, which I think is perfect because people dump hundreds of millions of dollars into boats. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it's their their passion. And we're so, talking private money oftentimes. Oh, not, yes, yeah. Not yeah. sponsored money. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. It's owned by somebody who has a dream, and then eventually they get a sponsor, hopefully, to help uh, you know curb some of that cost for them. Fingers crossed. Exactly. But it would be nice, like this uh, BMW Oracle boat, mm-hmm. you know, whoever, I, I forget who owns this one right now, I apologize, but um, BMW has their name on the, the, the boat that now holds the World Cup. I'm sorry, the the World Cup, the America's Cup. Cup. And, uh, you know, that's got to be great for them, you know, just Mm -hmm. to be associated with something like that. Another sponsorship that kind of works for this is uh, a lot of races are sponsored by Rolex. And you think, well, that may be kind of strange, but yeah, they have some, uh, you know, Mariner type watches that, uh, you know, make sense. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that it's the precision that goes into yacht racing. That, uh, that makes it work and the precision that goes into Rolexes that make them work as well. Mm. So, uh, they've got, you know, kind of this common tie and that's precision and, uh, you know, therefore it works for them. So that's a smart idea. And when we go to, uh, precision, we should take a second to talk about the team effort that goes into yachts. Oh, yes. Because we're not, we're not talking about, uh, one or two guys or in my case, uh, one hapless boy scout trying not to drown in a lake. <laughs> We're talking about crews with what, fifteen people? Uh can be fifteen. You know, yeah. I'm I'm uh I'm looking here. I see that uh you can actually have crews that go up to about thirty. Yeah, and that's um, for the that's for the big ones. Yeah, and I think you know that there's one that we're gonna talk about in a little while, but they may even have larger crews. I'm not sure. I, I can't guarantee that. But I have mm. seen numbers from that range from one to thirty members on board of these things. And yeah. so you can imagine the size of the boat just to have room to work on something mm. like this. Um I don't know. It's pretty intense. And they've all got to be, like we just mentioned, precise, right? Yes. And why do they have to be so precise? Well, first, because it's a race and you have to win if you want, you know, if you want to be competitive, well, sure. you need to be precise. Uh, you've got a lot of moving parts, even not counting the people. And secondly, you can be going very fast, faster than one would think, because there is, uh, there's what they call natural wind which mm-hmm. is the wind just pushing the sail. And then there's apparent wind, which is this wind force generated by this, the yacht's movement. Mm. And so that added to the natural wind. I, okay, so we hear the phrase knots, like, you know, this many knots. Sure. Knots yeah. are the measurement. It's of not speed. usually miles per hour. It's knots. Right. Yeah. So we're going to demystify this real quick thanks to an article from our website um, by our own Kristen Conger, I believe, of Stuff Mom Never Told You. Scott, one knot is equal to about 1.15 miles per hour. Okay. So that means that the example we have in the article here is that um, the current record holder for the fastest nautical mile is, I'm sorry in advance, sir, Alain Thibault. Thibault? Sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. From <laughs> France with a speed of 41.69 knots. So that's about 48 miles per hour. Wow. And that's uh, that's yeah. pretty quick on the water. Yeah, it's pretty quick, especially when it's wind-reliant, yeah. you know? Yeah, wind power. So that goes back into the precision. You have to be able to, oh my gosh, memorize the weather, have to be able to have a crew of people who can respond immediately when you have the, uh, when you have to move the mainsail, um, or the boom of the mainsail, mm-hmm. right? I think most people would be surprised 
how many sailboat terms they actually know mm-hmm. because they're so the sailboat's such an old invention nobody knows who invented it and uh it's a figure of speech in a lot of at least in english things like i like the cut of your jib scott <laughs> thank you ben. right yeah yeah and i uh, i often say i'm going to turn port you do? No, no, I don't. You no, do. really. But uh, yeah, no, I can I can understand where people would pick up a lot of nautical terms and not quite understand where they came from, or or maybe they do understand where they came from and uh, they know more than they think, like you said, because mm-hmm. uh, it, it has kind of well, I mean, over the the centuries, I guess it's kind of worked its way into uh, you know common knowledge type information. Uh, you know, people people say. Uh, let's see. Let me try to think of some of the, uh, yeah, cut of your jib is one. Um, yeah. hoist the mainsails. I yeah. mean, I hear a lot of people say something like that, just joking around, you know, like it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a few things, um, that, that people interject into their common yeah. speech. And, that, and you uh, were joking, but port and starboard people use those. I think starboard's yeah, such a cool name. I think they do. I think they do. I mean, just as maybe a joke usually, especially if you're driving like a big car or something. Yeah. I'm going to start doing <laughs> it later today. <laughs> that's for sure. Good. Uh, you want to, Let's see. We've already talked about how uh, modern sailboats are not using wood anymore. They've got the fiberglass. The They want that weight-to-power ratio. We see in other mm-hmm. racing vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think we're ready to get into some of the awesome races? I well, know you got some stuff on Well, that. I got a couple. I mean, we talked about the America's Cup. Yeah. And that's been around since 1851. Um, there's a, you know, th- well, there's a million of these really. I mean, it, it depends on what size you're talking about because there's. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there's so many different categories of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have, you know, offshore championships. You could have multi, multi hull championships. Um, there's, um, keel hull. There's single handed, which is, you know, an individual driving, uh, driving, piloting. And, uh, yeah, that's the right term, right? Piloting. I would say sailing. Yeah, piloting. Sailing, sure. Piloting. Um, and then, of course, you can have match racing. But um, those single-handed, that's where there's no crew. It's just you. Yeah. You're, well, you are the crew anyways. Right. But uh, that's a lot more difficult. And there's also different types of yachts that range in size, different sizes. That's right. And uh, – well, go ahead. You got them? No, no. Break them down. Oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. There's uh, – there's, uh, see, what they call day sailing yachts, which are less than 20 feet. There's weekender yachts, which are under 30 feet. Now, these are generalities, of course. Sure. Uh, you can have a, you know, a day sailor, which is 30 feet, I'm supp- I suppose. Um, there's also a cruising yacht, which is about mm, 25 to 45 feet. And then there's these luxury sailing yachts, which have all the amenities that you would expect. These are like an apartment on the water. All the bells and whistles. Exactly. And these are 80 feet and longer. Uh, so the one that we talked about, although it's a racing boat, it is in the luxury sailing yacht category. Mm. Um, the BMW Oracle boat. Um, some of these in the races. Now, this is interesting because we've just relatively recently, you know, come across um, dependable um, electronic navigation. As, and I'm not talking about radar and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about you know the GPS systems that show you plots of the depth and the and the distance and the the estimated time to arrival and the you know the, the, they always had other versions of this, but now it's as you can imagine, it's becoming more and more advanced and, and easier. You would think that that would take a lot of this out of the sailing. Out, out of the, you know, the, um, a lot of the skill, the, the, uh, the craftsmanship, I guess. The and, navigation. And, and the yeah. navigation, yeah, exactly. But some, only some now allow electronic navigation. Others still require you to use math and charts and, mm-hmm. uh, I believe the tool is called a sextant. Is that yes, right? Yes, sextant. Okay. And that's, uh, you know, the one that you've probably seen before with the arc on the bottom and you, you know, the, uh, the sailors looking at the horizon and mm-hmm. adjusting the mirrors and it's very, Difficult uh, concept to grasp unless you, you've taken a look at this and, and someone has described you how one of these things work. But um, uh, that's what they've used for hundreds of years. And 
if not thousands of years for uh, navigation. I don't know when they were invented, mm-hmm. but um, you know, very reliable uh, using celestial bodies and the horizon as your uh, as your point of. Um, I guess point of uh, what do you call it, Ben? Your, uh, As point, your point of orientation, I guess. Yeah, that's. So, I guess that's the best way to say it. Where you are in the world. How's yeah, that? Yeah, where you are in the world. Find your location. Exactly. But you know, a lot of people also are saying that, of course, outside of racing, the the GPS in real time—that's what we're talking about. Essentially, is that you're able to see um, almost a topographic map, map, not math, in real time. Mm-hmm. And of course, there is a great argument and great point to be made. For the purest who say, no, we will continue the tradition of this racing. And we see that in other races too. Sure. You but, know, one, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, no, I didn't you, mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. Oh, we're both too nice. Oh, okay. Then, then I was just going to add something on top of this really is it, um, how electronics have really helped a lot in that, you know, there's, there's a huge race going on right now that, uh, I guess we can talk about this if we, you want to. Yeah. It's, it's probably, I think it's the biggest one. I can just going to go ahead and say it. I think it's the the longest race. Then I think a drum roll is only appropriate. <laughs> of course. I'm talking about the Clipper Round the World race. And uh one thing that uh you know that's important about this is that the these boats are being tracked so that for safety. They know where they are at all times. Sure. Um every boat that's competing in this Clipper Round the World race and it's exactly what you know, it sounds like it's an around the world race. It lasts 10 months, Ben. Uh, 10 months. And you're able to, you could follow this online. If you search, you know, find their site, just a mm-hmm. keyword search. Um, you can, every up, every, I think it's every three hours it's updated. Uh, just a, just a position where they are in the world, which is pretty incredible to look at because you can see the path they've taken and, and you know, where they're headed to as well. Um, again, 10 months, 35,000 miles of racing. 35,000 miles of racing. Now, is it all wind-powered? It's all wind-powered, yes. All of it. And um, it crosses all of the world's major, major oceans. Six continents are, are crossed during this. Um, or they're visited, I should say. But 35,000 miles of racing in this thing. And uh, it ends mid-July or ended mid-July. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. that would be the way to say it. But um, it's pretty incredible when you look at the the site and see what's going because you can check out the gallery and you can find out where they are and some of the news what's happening and you know what's projected for next year they're they're already looking for people to race in the um the race that goes from you know 2011 to 2012 wow. um so they cuz this one started um back in i believe it was in September of 09 and it finishes in July of 2010 so it crosses the year and what's What's another interesting thing about these kind of competitions is that a lot of the teams competing compete almost year round in other competitions, mm-hmm. right? So we might see that we might see the team that currently is in the front run, front running for, uh, around the world go into another race a few months later. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, they I travel. Would, I would assume they take a few months off. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're traveling teams, of course. And, uh, you know, they can make it. I don't know, as pleasurable as they want on the way back, I suppose they could just take it easy. Maybe. Um, you know, half the crew may want to, you know, fly back home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because they're not in a racing environment. I guess they could do with less crew or some, sometimes they could. Yeah. Um, that's different. Maybe they could, uh, you know, have their own little competition with another team and race back. If yeah. They wanted to. That might be <laughs> Who fun. knows? Might be fun. Hey, there's one more, uh, there's, there's some freshwater races too. Um, you know, they're not, they're not all ocean, ocean bound races. Um, there's one that I'm thinking of. There's, there's actually two. There's a, um, uh, Chicago to Mackinac race, which is a slightly longer than the one I want to tell you about. Cause I've, I've got experience with the, this one, the Port Huron to Mackinac race. 
um, which goes from Port Huron, Michigan, just north of the Blue Water Bridge, all the way up to Mackinac Island every year. And it takes about two to three days, depends on, you know, the size of the boat and the team and everything. Um, You know, interesting thing, I I believe Bob Seeger races in this race. Um, He has his own boat and crew. Bob Seeger? Bob Seeger. Still? Uh, you know what? I don't know if he has in the last year or two, but I know that he, he he's a regular at that race. Yeah, weird. And um, it's been around since 1925. And there's about 250 to 300 yachts to compete in this, in all different classes and you know uh, divisions. Um, I don't know. It's everyone from pros to just you know the weekend racers that decide they want to go out and try this for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know there's a. Uh, Flags and trophies to be won. There's no huge cash prize or anything like that. It's not like, you know, one of these, you know, it's a million dollar payout type thing, but, right. uh, there's some bragging rights and, you know, it's, it's just a great competition, but it's happened since 1925. Um, really, it, it what's, what's kind of cool about this is I've had, I've had experience in Port Huron the night before the race. Really? Uh, I've been, yeah, it's been, uh, the Black River, which mm-hmm. is where they kind of all dock the night before. And, um, it's called, um, it's called Boat Night. They just call it Boat Night. And everybody rafts to the to the edge of the the uh, well on the Black River in Port Huron. They raft together, so they tie all their boats together, and you have to cross several boats in order to get to the shore. Um, but it's it's just a load of fun. I mean, it's a huge party environment that night. Um, you know, there's bands playing, there's people walking around, there's uh, there's just all kinds of things happening. Parties on every boat. Um, it's That's just a, cool. it's a great time. And then in the morning, you know, it's right down to business, you know, right at the, right at sunrise. They have, you know, the prayer service and they go over the rules and, you know, everything like that. And then they, they head out to the, the, uh, the lake and, and go for it. Go for it. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a great race. And you could drive. And then what's cool about this is that you can drive. It's, you can drive through Michigan up to Mackinac and watch the finish if you want to. Um, and you can, you know, they have other events that surround that as well. And, um, that's, that's one more quick thing I wanted to mention about these things. Remember when we talked about the concourse events? Where yes. People bring out their uh, their ultra luxury cars that are worth ten million dollars and you know mm-hmm. millions and millions of dollars each. This yacht racing culture is similar to that in that there's a lot of social activity happening at the beginning and the end of these events and during the event as well. It's a it's a very high society type thing. And you're talking about the ocean uh, yachts and the America's Cup and yeah. um, you know things like that. It, races at that level. Um, there's just a, a whole social um, segment of this or a whole social uh, grouping of this that mm-hmm. goes along with that, you know, dinners and, and award presentations sure. and, and uh, you fundraisers know, exactly, or auctions. Exactly. Fundraisers and art auctions and, you know, all that that happens. High society goes mm-hmm. along with it. Um, so it's it's kind of an interesting thing to be around and to see happening. And, uh, you know, the Port Huron event, it's a little more uh, – um, I want to say working class, but that's not probably the the best way to say that. I went to it. Maybe that's maybe that's probably the uh, you know the 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 best way. Just you know anybody can go there and and check it out and see what's happening. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, you Um, uh, with your top hat and your monocle. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's uh, you look pretty middle class right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is just this is just like uh, you know you go into town and and it's like a street fair type environment. That's cool. um, Which is a lot of fun, and so it's a good family type thing. Later in the evening, maybe not so family oriented, but right, uh, <laughs> right. But um, you know, the the whole event itself is really good for uh, you know just about every age. Is this an official uh, Scott Benjamin tip for things to see and do? I think you're so. Passing through, yeah, Port yeah, I think so. If you're in Port Huron, you know, during the time of the Port Huron to Mackinac race, check it out. And, and likewise, if you're in Mackinac, check it oh, out. Oh yeah. And of course, there's the Chicago end of this, you know, where they go from from Chicago to Mackinac as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's a, there's some also some long distance freshwater races happening. And that's uh 
you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm going to swallow my pride. I did not check into freshwater races. Mm. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. I mean, you could just, you could see weekend events in harbors where they set up a, uh, you know, three buoy course where, you know, they just go out and back or they make 10 laps or whatever they do. Um, on the, the smaller boats we talked about, they might be a 10 foot, um, you know, when they're in competition, you call them a yacht, I guess. So it's a yacht race. Yeah. On a 10 foot yacht. Yes, sir. Um, or a 15 foot yacht or whatever it happens to be. And it may have a crew of two or three, mm-hmm. but, uh, still they're yacht racing and it uh, looks like a lot of fun. Well, now we get to go to, uh, two speculative questions. Hmm. Uh, now I want a caveat here before we say it. Uh, we have not researched this part of it all. Uh, Scott, let's say that I'm a listener and I'm interested in racing yachts. Sure. You know, um, and I ask how, how we would get started. Yeah. I, I would go ahead and be, come back to being me so I could answer this hypothetical <laughs> question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would you think I think this would be fair to say that if you want to break into this business and you do not have a yacht nor the means to buy one, the best thing you could do is start contacting these groups and start contacting the places where they're at when they're not racing and start start picking up, you know, just like getting on uh getting on the crew of a fishing vessel or something. You gotta start at the bottom and you have to learn everything. <laughs> I don't know. Would it, yeah. would it, would a fishing vessel work? I guess. Is that a sailing boat or is well, that a Well, a fishing boat? vessel wouldn't work. I'm just saying it's similar. Oh, into okay. Yeah. The apprenticeship to journeyman kind I of. I understand. Make, uh, baby steps. Yeah. Because they're not going to put you on a, on a racing boat. No, no, no. For but, a long time. But you might be able to crew a boat with a friend that has a small boat mm-hmm. that's, you know, going out to do a weekend race where there's really no, uh, you know, high stakes and, and, you know, I, this, if I don't lose, if I don't win this, I lose my house type, uh, mm-hmm. type of event. Um, but yeah, if you want to just go out and do it for fun, you know, weekend adventure type thing, I'm sure that there are people looking for crew members. Now, I don't know if they're looking for, Completely inexperienced crew members. Probably not. I wouldn't think so. I don't know if they do interns. No, no, I wouldn't think so. But you have to get in somehow and, and just be honest. Say, like, I've never done this before, but I want to. Yeah. And, uh, honestly, there, you know, even at these events like the Port Huron race, people get ill, people don't show up, things like that happen. And if you are experienced and you want to be on a crew, there's always an opportunity. Also, this is a relatively small world we're talking about. So if you ha- – as you gain experience, you will get to know different people and make different connections. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. And of course, if you are already uh, fabulously, hilariously, almost obscenely wealthy, uh, you could just buy, buy a yacht. Heck, buy a couple. Sure. Yeah. yeah and Just sit back and watch them race. Mm-hmm. Or you could uh, just sit on a deck chair right out in front and uh, – Watch everything happen. Just be dead weight on your own boat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, because well, you know, that's what they want. Is, uh, win, guys. That's what they want is some old guy sitting on the front in a lawn chair. He doesn't have to be old. <laughs> <You> can, <laughs> okay, young, a young you wealthy can still guy. Still be dead weight. A young wealthy guy, sure. Wealthy. Yeah, or or girl, or girl. Yeah. yeah sure. And um, so let's see, man. I think we've got we've got basic parts of sailboats, mm-hmm. their speed, what yep. a knot is, what the races are. Hit on why Rolex sponsors so many. <laughs> Crucially important. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, the last question before we wrap up, which yeah. I'm, I really actually, I really want to know this from you. Scott, would you do this? Hmm. Long pause, right? Long. Oh boy. I don't know. I, um, I have no experience on this so far. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to see it happening. I mean, other than, you know, the film footage I've seen. Um, I think it'd be exciting to be on a, on a racing yacht. Sure. I think I would – first, I would love a yacht. I'd love to be on a yacht just riding around the world, period. Mm-hmm. If it was a race, so be it. 
Really? Yes. Deal with the pressure. I would do my absolute best when <laughs> the ocean and the oceans are large and expansive. Things mm-hmm. happen, you know. Uh, it seems that almost every couple of years, somebody uh, disappears for a while trying to circumnavigate the globe. So mm-hmm. disappears for more than a while. More than a while, yeah, occasionally. Right. Yeah, well, they yeah. they have found a lot more people than they've lost. Yeah, so. true, very true. But uh, well, that's good. So you would do it, and I probably would do it as well. And that wraps it up for us today, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. What What do you think, gang, guys, and girls? Would you man a racing yacht? Oh, here's a good question, Scott. Do you already race yachts? Oh, even better. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear from somebody that uh, has done this and yeah. uh, just kind of get their experiences and see where they've been. We've been all about yachts recently. Uh, you can tell us your story either via our Facebook, which is Car Stuff. And there's also Twitter, which is, uh, I guess, Car Stuff HSW is probably the best way uh, to find us. Uh, you know, Car Stuff, you get a variety of things, but search Car Stuff HSW, and that's definitely us. And there's the blog, and we've also got the website with, you know, all the auto articles. And, um,. Just a lot of different uh, great things you can look at there. And if that doesn't scratch the itch for you, let us know and write us an email at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. And we will see you next time. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.